you say life swap with me? Life swap. Come on, let's say that again. Life swap. We began talking about that a few weeks ago, so take your Bibles, go to the book of Ruth, the eighth book of the Bible, and as you're doing that, let me greet our campuses. My name is Eddie Couples. I'm the lead pastor for Love and Truth Ministries, and I'm glad you're joining with us today. We're excited about what's happening at each location, whether that's Savannah or Henderson or Craneville or Cordova, Tennessee. We're thankful for what's taking place at your location, and as we join together today, we believe that God is going to touch your life and minister to you. Jackson, can we make all of our campuses feel welcome today in the house? We've been talking about this whole aspect of life swap out of the book of Ruth, and we began that a few weeks ago. And as we've been looking at that, what we found is the first week we talked about that it's an inside job. When you study the life of Ruth, you found out that she had to make some decisions, that there were some things that she had to do to get herself to the place where her life literally could swap and become everything that she wanted it to be. Last week, we talked about the process of change and what you have to do to get there and all those kind of things. And today, we're going to talk about achieving the impossible. Let me, let me ask you a question today. How many of you have a situation in your life that right now looks impossible? Wow, man, some of you really must be in good place. I, I wake up daily looking at impossibilities. I mean, have you ever driven in Jackson? I mean, there's a lot of impossibilities. It's impossible for me to stay spiritual sometimes. Okay. Uh, you know, there, there's all these things that we face every day. And, and yet, what we find from Scripture is that the Bible says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, now let, me, let me just set everything up today because I want you to hear this. Your history does not determine your destiny. Don't miss that. In other words, your past does not dictate what your future is going to be. So many of us get caught up in what happened yesterday or what happened five years ago or what took place back there somewhere or the failure that we went through or the mess that we've gone through. I want to tell you, whatever is back there, the Bible says, forgetting those things which are behind I press toward the mark of the high calling that's in Christ Jesus. And he said, I'm doing that for a crown, the Apostle Paul said, that's not just laid up for me, but he said it's laid up for everybody that comes along behind me who is willing not to allow what's happened in their past and all the junk and all the stuff that's in their past to determine their future. Now let's talk about Ruth for a minute. Ruth is, is really a gal loaded with past. When you look at her life, she's from a country called Moab. Uh, she was from the wrong side of the tracks. She was from the, even the wrong country. I mean, she was wrong all the way around. Um, her, her lifestyle, she had grown up uh, serving a pagan god. She would worshipped idols all of her life. There was no way that you would have looked at Ruth's life and you would have said, this person is going to make a great difference in the world. It just wouldn't have happened. You would have looked at her and said, she can't show up. Uh, you, you know, it would be in, in the sense of, and understand I'm trying to bring it into our terminology today, it would be like some, some Muslim lady in a burqa showing up at a Christian church. They would feel out of place. They would feel like they're not supposed to be there. That's what was happening in the life of Ruth. Ruth was a widow. She was a young woman whose husband had died but she had left her entire family and everybody that was familiar to her to go to a nation to serve a God and to serve a people that she didn't even understand and yet when she got there she began to see her life transition 
here's what I want to tell you today. You can get out of the mess that you're in. Your life really can swap. Whatever it is, spiritually, physically, emotionally, financially, whatever it is that you're dealing with, you really can, according to Scripture, you can have a life swap. There's some things you've got to do. We'll talk about those today. But I, but I just want to encourage you to understand you don't have to stay in the place you've been. So let's jump into it. Look in the third chapter of the book of Ruth. We've just been looking at a different chapter each week, and this is the third week. So Ruth chapter 3, would you look in verse number 1? It says, Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, shall I not seek security for you, that it may be well with you? Now, if you want to understand this whole dynamic, what you see is uh, in the whole book of Ruth, there is this interplay between uh, the mother-in-law and the daughter-in-law, and, and they're challenging each other, and they're helping each other. And in this, when we start this story today in the third chapter, what we find is, is that Naomi, the mother-in-law, kind of is the instigator to move Ruth out of her place that she's been. Now, I'm going to give you five things today that you need to do if you want to achieve the impossible. Number one is, is you've got to be dissatisfied with the status quo. Just write it out. Dissatisfied with the status quo. In other words, you can't just be happy where you're at. See, there, there are so many people who say, well, you know, it's always been this way. This, this is the way my family has always been. It's the way that, that things have always been. Let, let me just tell you something. To be a child of God, you cannot be satisfied with lack in any area of your life. I'll explain why, but I'm, let me just repeat that. If you are a child of God, you cannot... Just say, well, it's okay, I've got lack in my finances, I've got lack in my physical body, I've got lack uh, in my family, there's lack in areas of my spiritual walk with God. If you truly are a child of God, you cannot be satisfied with lack. You say, why not, Pastor? Because the Bible gives us an interesting definition of God. It says that He is El Shaddai. When you study that word El Shaddai, it means that He is more than enough. How can I settle for lack when my dad is more than enough? How can I allow the enemy to take stuff out of my life when my father who is in heaven, hallowed be his name, his kingdom come, his will be done on as it is in heaven. How many of you believe the will of God's being done in heaven? Amen. You, you don't believe it, ask Satan. Right? Satan said, I don't want the will of God, I want my will. And God says, see ya. It does say that in the book. It's what the Bible says. And it kicked out a third of the angels. God does not tolerate in heaven what we tolerate on earth. And he told us, pray, and when you pray, pray your will be done on earth just like it is in the heavenlies. So I want to tell you, my father does not have any lack in the heavenlies. You're not going to get to heaven and need anything. The Bible says you're going to have a glorified body. You're going to be, that one ought to excited you more than that. Praise Jesus, right? Come on, now you can eat anything you want to and you won't get fat. I don't know if that's true or not, but it sounds good. That'd be heaven for some of you, wouldn't it? I mean, Sorry, sorry. 
Uh, you, you know, you're, you're, you're going to have, the Bible says there's streets of gold, there are gates of pearl. I don't know if there are actually those. I probably are. I, I think the, the Re, John the Revelator was just trying to get our brain. And, and, and then we come on this side and we, we live in lack. We live in, in the status quo. We just, whatever will be, will be. No, you've got to come to that place of saying, I refuse to settle for the same old, same old any longer. I want something different in my life. And so Naomi, the mother-in-law, challenges her daughter-in-law and says, hey, don't settle for where you're at. Get dissatisfied in your life and let's believe for something greater. Now, look in verse 2, because beginning in verse 2, you begin to see this play out. It says, now Boaz, whose young women you were with, is he not our relative? Now, let me stop and tell you a little story here. In, in that day and age, if, if a widow, if, if a woman's husband died and there was anybody that was called a near kinsman uh, to that, if they were not married, then there was a responsibility for them to take that woman as their bride. Well, Boaz, this guy, he, he is a near kinsman. So she shows up, begins to work in his field, and so her mother-in-law says, is he not the one? In fact, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Therefore, wash yourself and anoint yourself. Glory. I, I, I'm going. I, I'm, I'll get back to that. <laughs> Put on your dress, best dress, baby, and go down. Okay, it says garment. And go down to the threshing floor, but do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. Then it shall be when he lies down that you, sh that he, that you shall notice the place where he lies, and you shall go in, uncover his feet, and lie down, and he will tell you what you should do. Now, now it's interesting. Here, here's the second thing you've got to do. All right, just put it down. We'll, we'll discuss it. The second thing you've got to do is you've got to develop a plan. Develop a plan. It's, it's not enough to say, I want to do the impossible. You've got to have a plan. Do you know that God is a planner? Do, do you know what the Bible says about God? It says, before the foundation of the earth, God had a plan. All right, I know it says, and a lamb was slain, but what it says is, is that God already had a plan before mankind ever showed up. Before there was the first sin, God already had a plan on how he was going to deal with that sin. Now, in, in this process here, what, what you find is, is that, that Boaz, Boaz is the near kinsman redeemer. He's the one who's going to be able to launch her life into another place. And so she has to develop a plan. I, I'm going to give you four ingredients to a great plan. You, you ought to write, this will help you in your business. This will help you in your marriage. This will help you in your walk with God. This will even help you in raising kids. Just, just get it down and don't miss it. Number one is you have to identify the issue. You have to identify the issue. What was the issue? I am a broke, busted widow. That's the issue. No husband, no money. It's, it's just in that society, that's the way it was. I, I'm, I'm tired of living this way. And so they had to identify the issue. The second thing that they had to do was that they had to evaluate the challenge. What is the challenge that you're facing? There may be a, a place tonight, today, that some of you are looking at in your life, and you're saying, you know what? I want my life to be everything that God wants it to be. I really want to make a difference spiritually in my family uh, and those that are around me. How do I do that? Well, find out what the challenges are. Maybe the challenge is you're the only one in your family that's a believer. 
Well, that's a challenge. You've got to know that. Uh, maybe where you work, uh, you're the only person uh, that, that knows Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I read, it, read recently in a book. If you haven't read the book, Not a Fan, I would encourage you to buy the book and read it. In that book, he tells a story of, of this woman who was in his church, a large church in Kentucky, and, and he says that in one of his sermons he was preaching, and she got under con conviction because that she had never told anybody at the place she worked that she was a believer. She had worked there for seven years. And nobody knew that she was a Christian. And he goes on to tell the story that she determined that the girl who worked next to her, that she was going that week to tell her about Jesus and invite her to her church. When they began to talk that day, they had gone places, they had done things together, but had never talked about church, never talked about Jesus. The interesting part of the story is, is that both of them went to the same See, some of us have got to, the challenge is to go ahead and let your little light shine. So whatever, you've got to evaluate the challenge. She had, she had to look at and say, okay, what am I up against? What am I facing? What are the things that are going on? Then thirdly, you have to know your resources. Now, this is all biblical. This is not just a business lesson today. This is how the word. You have to know your resources. You say, well, what resources did she have? Read it. Naomi said, hey, get all dolled up. Fix your hair. Put on some lipstick. Put on a good dress. Take a bath. It's there. Anoint yourself. In other words, put something on that smells good. And show up. Now, and I want to tell you, and we'll read this in a minute. When she does, when she shows up that way, he doesn't even know who she is. So it, it's kind of one of those settings there. Have, and I'm going to get in trouble. Have you ever seen somebody and you've known them for a long time? Uh, I'm talking about females now and hopefully not males. But, uh, and, and you've always seen them with their makeup on. And then one day you see them without their makeup. And you go, oh. Because sometimes you, sometimes it can be frightening. In this situation, I'm not, I'm not making this up, read the story. Don't, don't be religious when you read it, just read the story. He's seen her day after day out there in his field, and she shows up that night, and she's got all fixed up, and he goes, man, I don't even know who you are. Who are you? Right? Now, I want to tell you, you say, she's broke, she's a widow, she's in a foreign country. What resource does she have? Her looks. She, I mean, she must have been a good-looking woman. Well, what's wrong with us? I mean, when, when she was in that stage, she walked by, he went, man, she's hot. Okay, that's not in the King James Version, but. So you, you, you've got to know what your resources are. She knew it. She used it. It worked. Huh. Some of you will really have to pray for me this week, won't you? Number four is develop action steps. 
she laid out. Not only was she going to get dressed, not only, but here's what you're going to do. You're going to get there. You're going to wait till he eats. You're going to do, and, and there, there's just steps that, that she had to take in that process. If you want to really see the impossible, if you want your life to swap and you want to achieve the impossible, you have got to develop a plan. And these four things have to be part of that plan so that you can move in to everything that God has for you. Would you look in verse 7 and 8? It says, and after Boaz had eaten and drunk, and his heart was cheerful. Now, I don't know what he drank. And he went. <laughs> he's cheerful. He went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain, and she came softly and uncovered his feet and lay down. And you can go study what all that means. Now, it happened at midnight that the man was startled and turned himself, and there was a woman lying at his feet. Now, here's the third thing you've got to do. If you really want to see the impossibilities in your life changed, you've got to be willing to take a risk. Too many of us love safety. Too, too many of us, we're, we're, we're always in this place of, well, if, you know, I, I, I can't travel, I can't go, I can't do, I can't be, I can't, listen, you, you've got to be willing to take a risk. How many of you ever heard the name Helen Keller? Heard the name Helen Keller? Helen Keller, most of us are familiar with, you know, as, as a small child, a tragedy happened, disease and all kind of things happened. She was blind, she was deaf, uh, and for the first several years of her life, her life was horrible if you read the story. But then a woman named Ann Sullivan came into her life, and through that, uh, she became a, a very articulate writer and spokesman, etc., and, and really impacted nations. But she made a statement that I found years ago that I just want to give to you today. Here's what Helen Keller said. She said, security is mostly a superstition. She said, avoiding danger is no safer in the long run than outright exposure. Life is either a daring adventure or nothing. I mean, when you lay down and they put you six feet under, are they just going to put a question mark on your tombstone? It's like we don't really know if they really lived or not. We don't have a beginning date. We don't have an ending date. Y'all are looking at me, but why? Well, I always played it safe. Do, do you realize that she's saying you, you can't play it safe? Ruth had to be willing to take a risk. Some of you have to be willing. Sometimes it's not in the easy part of life. I mean, God's a risk taker. Do you, do you believe that when God spoke to Joshua and the children of Israel and said, here's what I want you to do. I know there's a great fortified city there. I know that there's a great army inside that city. But here's what I want you to do. For the next seven days, each day, I want you just to walk around the city. I don't want you to say anything. I don't want you to take, take your armor. I, I just want you to walk around it. And then on the seventh day, I want you to walk around it seven times. And then I want you just to holler real loud and see what I do. Really? If that's not risky, I don't know what is. And, and they do it. They show up, they do it, and guess what? The walls come down because they took a risk. I mean, what, when was the last time that you got out of your comfort zone and you moved into a place of risk? Because I want to tell you, if you really want to see God show up, you've got to be willing to risk. You've got to be willing to leave your land. You've got to be willing to leave your people. 
You've got to be willing to do what Ruth did. She said, wherever you go, that's where I'm going. Wherever you stay, that's where I'm staying. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. I mean, she, she radically changed her life and took a risk. There are some of us here today that God is wanting you to take a risk with him. I mean, you've played it safe long enough. You're like the woman I told the story about. You, you've worked at a certain place for years, and they don't even know you're a believer. Why? Because you don't want to, you don't want to offend anybody. Listen, why don't we get radically saved? Why don't we go ahead and say, you know what? I am going to take a risk to make a difference. I am going to be willing to step out to touch somebody's life. And if I fail, so I fail. But I might succeed and I might see somebody's life revolutionized because I'm willing to do something. Take a risk. Do something with your life. I don't care if you're a teenager or if you're gray-headed and, and you're kind of, you know, looking uh, for the return of the Lord or whatever it is you're looking for. I, I just want to encourage you, don't just kind of be safe all through life. Say, so you know what? I'm going to do something. The Apostle Paul was one of the greatest risk-takers that's ever lived on the face of this earth. That's why we still refer to him. That's why he changed the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because he was willing to take a risk. You've got to be willing to do something. You've got to be willing. Lord, if that's you, bid me come, the apostle Peter said. And Jesus just said, it's me, Peter, come. And Peter jumps out of the boat and starts walking on water. He had to take a risk. You said he sank. Yeah, he did, but he also walked back. The Bible says it this way. It says the righteous will fall seven times, but they will arise again. In other words, as long as you get back up one more time than you fall down, you're a success. Come on, you need to hear that. You may have messed up. You may have blown it. You may not have, have always been successful in some things in your past. And, and, and as I told you earlier, some of us are so locked into our history that we don't understand our destiny. Listen, the Apostle Paul said it this way. He said, this one thing I do, looking to those things which are ahead. He said, I forget those things which are behind. And I press toward the mark of the high calling that's in Christ Jesus. You, you've got you've to begin to live that way. Let me, let me give you the last two today. Look at verse 9 and 10. And Boaz said, who are you? See, he didn't know who she was. He'd seen her every day for weeks, but when she got fixed up, okay, you have no humor. She said, you all ought to read the Bible with a little humor. I am Ruth, your maidservant. Take your maidservant under your wing, for you are a close relative. Then he said, blessed are you of the Lord, my daughter, for you have shown more kindness at the end than at the beginning in what you did not to go after young men, whether poor or rich. Here's, here's the fourth thing you've got to do. You've got to trust God. Now, now watch this. When you do all you can do, then it's up to God. But you've got to trust him. And, and here's what I want to tell you about trust. True trust only comes out of relationship. You can't trust somebody who you don't have a relationship with. I mean, that's, that's, that's why all of us react when politicians look at us and say, trust us. We don't trust them. Why? Because we don't have a relationship with them. I can't trust anybody that I don't have a relationship with. But watch this. When I know God, when I'm in a relationship with him, then I can trust. 
You remember the old song we used to sing years and years ago that said, Trust and obey, for there's no better way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. That's what it's about. When I know God, I can trust Him. And so when when you find that, you see in her life that, that she moves into this place of trust and allows herself to kind of get out of her comfort zone and say, okay, I don't know what's going to happen here. I may fail. Everything may not go the way that I want it to, but I'm, I'm going to trust what God's going to do. Look at verse 18, if you would. Now she's back with her mother-in-law, and Naomi says to her, sit still, my daughter, until you know how the matter will turn out, for the man will not rest until he has concluded the matter this day. Here's the fifth thing in doing the impossible and achieving a life swap. And that is, you've got to expect a miracle. Her mother-in-law says, just sit down. See, here's, here's the deal. When you have done all you can do, then you sit and wait. Our problem is we reverse that. We want to sit and let God do everything. And God says, no, 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 you do what you can. You get a plan, you take the risk, you get dissatisfied with the status quo, all those things, and then your trust is in me, and then sit down and watch what I'm going to do. Now, the, the, the end of the story is, and we'll talk about this next week, the end of the story is, is that he marries her, and she winds up in the lineage of Jesus Christ. Now, if that's not the impossible, I don't know what is. See, you, you've got to come to that place where you expect a miracle. How many of you remember the story out of Scripture of, of a guy named, that we refer to as Blind Bartimaeus? I mean, you remember that story? Twelve of you. Okay. For the rest of you that don't know the story, here it goes. There's a guy, as Jesus is going to a place called Jericho, there's a guy on the side of the street who's a blind man. And, and while he is there, he hears the noise of Jesus' approach. And he asks, who is that? And they said, it's Jesus. He's the miracle worker. And the Bible says this guy is sitting there with a cloak on. Well, the cloak symbolized that he was a beggar. The Bible says that Bartimaeus began to cry out to Jesus. And he said, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Everybody around him said, shut up. Okay, it's not what the Bible says. But they said, be quiet. Shut up. And, and the, the scripture said that the crowd's coming on by, and, and the word of God says that he cried all the more loudly, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy upon me. And the Bible says Jesus stopped and said, bring him to me. And if you read the scripture, here's what it says. It says, and he cast off his cloak and came to Jesus. Now to us, that doesn't mean anything, but here's what it means. He is saying, no longer is my past going to determine my future. I have been a beggar, but when I get in contact with Jesus, I'll never be the same. When I come into the place where Jesus is, I will never pick up the beggar's robe again because I am going to have a transformation in my life. And the Bible says that he came to Jesus and Jesus said, what do you want? Now, here's what most of us do. Oh, Lord, I want to be blessed. And Jesus says, which one? All right, that's not what happened there. What did he say? When Jesus said, what do you want? He said, Lord, that I might see. He's expecting a miracle. When God shows up in your world and he says, what do you want? Don't give him some general religious sounding answer. Lord, I want a blessing. 
He says, I've got over 8,000 of them listed in Scripture. Which one are you wanting? Right? You say, well, pastor, God knows everything. Well, don't you think Jesus knew the guy was blind? I mean, when the guy comes up there like this, I mean, even Peter got it. Because I was blind. Now, Thomas was doubting it, but... I mean, they, they got it. it it's, it's under, well, yeah, we got, we got this. We know he's blind. But Jesus said, what do you want? Bartimaeus said, Lord, he's expecting. I've cast off my coat. I'm expecting. Ruth is expecting a miracle. I'm waiting. Lord, I have done everything that I can do. Now I'm waiting. There are some of us today who we need to expect a miracle. Why don't we lay, all, lay aside the old? Why don't we forget the failures of yesterday? Why don't we lay aside the junk from our past? Well, Pastor, if you knew, if you knew how many times I've been married, if, if you knew, if you, well, Jesus showed up and he met a gal who'd been married five times and was shacking up with a guy and he wasn't blown away. Y'all okay? I mean, come on, the Bible tells us this stuff. Jesus, he doesn't get blown away by that kind. Well, you know, if you knew how many bankruptcies I'd had, if you knew what I've been addicted to, if you, yeah, yeah, I understand all that. But the Bible says that if we'll bring our stuff to Jesus, he'll take the old and he will make all things new. All things. Now, here's what I want to tell you. Here's the reason most of us don't receive miracles. is because we allow the enemy to tell us we're unworthy. I'm a Moabitish woman. I've served heathen gods. I've worshipped idols. I've probably given sacrifices to them. I've, I mean, she could have gone through a litany, but she never one time talks about that stuff. She just focuses on her future. There are some of us who are here. There are some of us who are listening today. And our problem is, is that the enemy constantly reminds us of our past and we allow him to. Here's what I know. Every saint has a past and every sinner has a future. Every one of us have some stuff that we don't want anybody to know about that we want hidden away somewhere. But if you're not careful, the enemy will constantly keep you in that place instead of moving into the blessings that God has. I want to challenge you today. Let God deal with your past so he can give you the impossible future that you never thought you could have.